Amen. Evidently, somebody wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing today. I've got three orders of service up here. So let's see if I can get it done right, right? Is that, is that what that's saying? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So I don't know about you, but I have enjoyed going through uh, you know, the first book of Thessalonians. Today we're going to go and we're going to look at the end of chapter 3 and see what God has for us. The end of chapter 3 is a transition that Paul begins to make, or actually not begins, but he makes it fairly clear in this transition, the first uh, you know, three chapters that we've looked at, chapter 1 tells us and gives us the overview of his trip there, and chapters 2 and 3 goes in and talks in depth about the things that happened in the first chapter and kind of, you know, gives us the details of all of that, and we find here that Paul, from last week, Paul wanted to come back to, uh, you know, to the church and to visit with them, but he wasn't able, so he sent Timothy. And then today, in chapter 3, verses 6 through 13, we will find Timothy's report, and we will also look at, uh, you know, at Paul's prayer for the church. But there's some other things that we will see in this. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word of God. It says, But now Timothy has just returned, bringing us good news about your faith and love. He reports that you always remember our visit with joy and that you want to see us as much as we want to see you. So we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and sufferings. Dear brothers and sisters, because you have remained strong in your faith, it gives us new life to know that you are standing firm in the Lord. Remember, we talked a little bit about that last week as far as our encouragement or our joy comes from those that we have, uh, you know, that we have seen, accept, and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and how their growth, uh, you know, gives us joy and encourages us as we go through this. So, Paul is giving us this report from Timothy that this is what it is. And then verse 9, he says, We thank God for you because, you, because of you, we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again, to fill the gaps of your faith. May God, our Father, 
and our Lord Jesus Christ bring us to you very soon. And may the love and may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your hearts strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again with all his holy people. Amen. Amen. So we get into this and we see there again, Paul and Timothy and Silas has encouraged or joy because they have found here that the report from Timothy says that their love for you and their love for God is growing and that it is even going over to the other people. Easy for us to love fellow believers, isn't it? Somebody should say amen. Uh, it's difficult for us to love our family, right? But it's, it's easy for us to love the people in the house of God that we worship with. Amen. It should be. It should be, but there's times that we don't treat them as if we love them. But yet we do. We do love one another, and it's easy for us to do that. But Paul is talking here that, that it would grow and overflow and that it actually overflowed to those that were non-believers. There again, it's easy for us to love the people that's here. It's difficult for us to love the people that's outside of these walls today. Come on, come with me. Uh, you know, now... I read an article, and I'm going to try to get you through this article really quick so I can get back to the message. So this one's free, okay? And it's just in case we don't understand who we are and where we are, okay? As believers in Jesus Christ, we know that we are different from those that are not. We know that we are with like-minded people whenever we come into the house of God and it's easier for us to love those people than it is to love the people that's outside and that's out. And it's just simply because they're different. But we should love them through Jesus Christ the same way that we love here. And we love the people that's here. Now that doesn't mean that the love that we pour out upon the people that's here will be received the same way as the people that we pour out our love to in the world. We love the world, and we love the world through God and through Jesus Christ, but they do not know Him, therefore they do not receive our love through Him as love. They receive it as condemnation, and they receive it as, who are you to say that I'm wrong? Christianity has been going through this since the, you know, since the beginning of time. It's nothing new for us to get this understanding that the world does not like the church. 
Why does the world not like the church? Because, why? Because of the love of Jesus Christ. There's something good for them here, but it's going to cause pain for them to get it. Ted Decker has this great story, uh, you know, that it's, it's, it's scientific, or scientific, it's, my tongue's not working for me, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, so, you know, it's just one of those fluff, uh, you know, what is this, uh, fiction, science fiction, thank you, so it's science fiction, and it's about this, uh, you know, this world, and this, that has been, hit by some type of catastrophe and there's just this one spot that has water in it and there's stuff that's flourishing and growing around this water and the people have to bathe in this water to get the ointment on them. If not, their skin will dry out and whenever their skin actually begins to dry out and they get into the water, it burns really bad. But yet once it stops and, the, and their skin gets the nourishment from the water, the burning ceases. Okay? So whenever you, whenever you get into the water, at first it burns. Whenever you step out of the sinful world into the life of Jesus Christ, it burns. There is something that must change within us. We don't run to the burn. We don't run to the pain. So whenever we leave this place and we go out into the world, we shouldn't expect them to be all lovey-dovey to us. It shouldn't hurt our feelings that the world is against us. Come on, because whenever we were out in the world, did we come running to the church every Sunday? No. There's pain that's there. So it shouldn't be any, this shouldn't be that difficult for us to picture and to understand that we receive joy from people that actually comes into our hearts and into our lives and we fellowship with them as like-minded people. We receive our joy and our courage from them, not from what's out in the world. But we still love those people because Jesus Christ loved us whenever we were right there in the same place they were. Yes, there is absolutely no place that we can go that we can run away from God's love. But God's love demands that there's a change and a transformation in our lives. And that's what we don't want. We want God's love, but we don't want the transformation. We want to continue living the way that we want to live. Now see, Paul comes in and, and Paul prays, right? Paul prays that he would be able to come and visit them. He prays that their love will continue to grow and actually even overflow. The, you know, in the Christian Standard Bible, it says, uh, you know, that he hopes that your love will grow and even grow 
more. In our walk and in our life with Jesus Christ, we will never, wait a minute, we should never stop growing. We should always want to have more and more of Jesus Christ. We should never stop. Paul brings up and he uses these words. He says, God our Father. Now for us in this world today, our Father might not be too good of a term. I had a father that loved me, but there's often times that he used a belt on me whenever he shouldn't have. Now, there was times that he used it whenever he should have. And later on in his life, he actually even confessed that there were times that he didn't understand my learning disability and used the belt on me whenever he shouldn't have. But I know that my father loved me. But whenever he was doing it, I didn't understand it. And I say that because there are some people in this world that have had and experienced a bad father. But God our Father in heaven has absolutely nothing but good for you. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. But all he has is good for us. So Paul is praying this and he first he prays there and he is talking to them as far as what they have done in the life that they had lived and how it had changed. And he prayed for them in this moment that it would continue to grow. And then he prays there at the end that they will stay firm all the way until the end whenever Jesus Christ comes back again. We get this and we see that Paul is praying for the past, for the present, and for the future because our future determines our presence. The future with Jesus Christ determines and should determine how we act today. My confidence that I have in Jesus Christ is because of the things that was written in Scripture long ago that He has fulfilled that has changed my presence and the future that He talks about in coming back affects my presence. Because I know the things that He has done and how faithful and truthful He has been for those and that He will continue to be faithful in the future. So I live a life that is bold and that is full of confidence and joy because of Him. But then we go and we look into the first part of chapter 4. Because remember, I told you this is His transition. He's no longer going to talk about the message that was there, but He's going to talk about the fact that there is a gap that is in their faith, that he wants to come, right? Timothy has been there, and Timothy has talked with them and ministered to them more, has came back with a good report. But Paul says there is still gaps within your faith that I need to come and help you with. 
Now I want you to see what Paul is telling us that he needs to help them with. Whenever you go to 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8, we're going to talk about holiness. And we're going to talk about sanctification. One of the holes that's in your faith is, is that you need to be sanctified. You need to have all of the Holy Spirit so that you can live a pure and holy life before the people that's here. The only way that we can do it is through being sanctified with the Holy Spirit. We can't live the life of purity on our own. Now the passage of Scripture goes in and it talks about uh, you know, sustaining from all sexual sins and immoralities. And we look at this and it goes in and it talks about we shouldn't covet our uh, you know, fellow believer's wife and we shouldn't cause him to or, or cause him to have pain because we take his wife or all this stuff with these sexual immoralities. But it's not just dealing with that. What he's dealing with is the fact that we must live a life that abstain or that is evident or has evidence of self-control. Right? I have to have self-control because this sexual immorality deals with what does the flesh want. The flesh wants to be satisfied with whoever or whatever I want. The flesh wants. We need to have self-control over that. And there again, the only way that we can truly have self-control is if we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and we are sanctified, set apart from Him, and that we live this pure life. Sanctification is being Christ-like. We must live like Christ lives. Whew, we have several more, so let me move on. You go into uh, you know, verses 9 through 12. And here in 9 through 12 it says, But we do not need to write about these write to you about the importance of loving each other for you or for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you all show your love for all believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. This is the more Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. Love for one another and for others. This is the love. So he tells us about we need to have a pure life. We need to be sanctified. We need to live a life worthy of the call or worthy of being called a Christian. From there he goes on and he talks to them again about making sure that they love one another and not only love one another, but they love other people. They love even the non-Christians. And then in verses 13 through 18, he comes in and he begins to talk about the resurrection. Or he talks about those ones that have fallen asleep. Now you remember if we go in and we talk and we think about this, 
and you go to the story of Lazarus, Jesus told his disciples that Lazarus had fallen asleep. And they said, well, God, you know, well Jesus, that's good because he's asleep. So that means that his body's going to heal itself and going to get better. And Jesus then stops and flat out says, no, he's dead. Right, So that's what we're dealing with here. He is talking about the people that have passed away and that we're not supposed to grieve them as the ones that do not believe in Jesus Christ believe them because if we are believers of Jesus Christ, we are alive in Him. And whenever we breathe our last breath here on this earth, we breathe our first breath with Him in heaven. And He talks about that for us. He tells us that we shouldn't worry about the dead. He's taking care of them. We need to live our lives and we need to make sure that we are faithful within Him. There's another passage of Scripture about a believer or about someone that comes to Jesus uh, you know, and professes to actually believe in Jesus. And then he says... Let me go and bury my father, and then I will come and follow you. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Now, I want us to go, and I want to take you here just briefly, if I can, because there's some things that we look and think about this. Paul is talking about the physical death. Let's not get this wrong. Paul is talking about the physical death, but he's dealing with the resurrection through Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to miss that. But we today, I think we also need to deal with the ones that are spiritually dead. We don't need to worry about the spiritual dead. Now wait a minute, I'm not telling you as a Christian and as a believer that we shouldn't go and witness to lost people. We should. But we shouldn't worry so much about the loss that we lose our relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, don't worry about them that much. Yes, we pray for them. Yes, we witness to them. But we, do not, we are not consumed by them that we lose our relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to make sure that we walk the walk that God has for us. We love everybody, right? We want everybody to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we will not change our message just to allow them to come in and feel like they fit. We, we, we can't. They are looking for someone in a group of people to be able to stand strong so that whenever they enter in, they know exactly what it is. This is a worship and a celebration of what God himself has done for us throughout this week. That's why we come here. 
in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, he goes in and he begins to talk about the dates and times on Christ's return. We shouldn't be consumed with when it's going to happen. We need to be prepared for it today. But we should know the times that's coming. In other words, it's kind of like you know the same thing with all of the you know with the lost and the ones that are spiritually dead. We can't get so consumed in the dates and times on the return of Jesus Christ that we miss out on living the life for Him right now. There is something that He has for us to do. So He says, concerning these now and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we do not really need to write for you know quite well that the day of the Lord or the Lord's returning will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. But he's coming back. We don't know when. The thief doesn't put a sign on your door saying, I'm going to rob you tomorrow. But if we're wise, we can watch and see people that shouldn't be around the house and get this understanding that they shouldn't be here, so they're most probably wanting to come in and get what I've got. That's a figure of, of, of stealing out of your house, not necessarily wanting the relationship with Christ that you've gotten. See, we need to know the time. We need to understand. But we need to be ready today, regardless if it happens tomorrow or not. Had the opportunity, and I'm going to close, kind of close with this, had the opportunity this week to go to Topsail Beach. And went there, and we sat out there in the, on the beach, and, you know, man, it was windy that day. We couldn't even really get in the water you know, my feet got so sunburned I couldn't wear shoes the next day. But, you know, there again, I just wanted to let you know that my feet got sunburned. But then we were walking down the street, you know, and I was walking with my niece and, you know, brother-in-law and, you know, his you know, sister-in-law and their son and Peggy. You know, we were walking down the street. And... I turned around to Zeke because Zeke's the, the, the young uh, you know, kid. I, I think he's in second grade. Uh, you know, I turned around and we're walking three miles to get to the end of Topsail. Uh, you know, so where we were at was three miles away. Uh, and I told him, I said, we're almost there. And his mom looked at me and said, no, we're not. <laughs> I'm like, we're closer than we were when we started. Right? Uh, you know, he might not be coming today, but he's closer and coming back than he was yesterday and last week. We got to be ready. We need to be excited because he's almost here. 
Closer than he was yesterday. Closer than it was whenever we woke up this morning. We don't know when he's coming back, but he's coming back. Paul gives us these instructions and tells us here, we don't really need to worry because he's coming like a thief in the night. But what we do need to worry about is we need to worry about living a holy and pure life. We need to make sure that we are ready to breathe the bride whenever the groom comes. The bride's what? Spotless with no wrinkles. Holy and pure. That's what he's calling us. The only way that we can do that is through the Holy Spirit. I'm dancing quietly in my shoes because my feet burn. (laughs) Paul tells us the importance of being evangelistic and going out and speaking and preaching the gospel to the community. He tells us about loving one another and about loving other people so that we could bring them into the kingdom of God. And then he breaks down and he says, now here's the problem, right? You you love one another, and, and your love actually goes out to Macedonia and all the places that's around. But here's the problem. You need the Holy Spirit to live a pure life. And whenever you have the Holy Spirit and you live this pure life, then you can really love the way that you're supposed to love. Uh, you remember, that's, that's whenever I kind of got ahead of myself. But there again, he says, love one another and others. We have to love our enemies. But we can't do that without the Holy Spirit. Our flesh just simply goes to protecting itself. Then he makes sure that we don't worry about those that have fallen asleep or died before we did. We trust that what he says, that whenever he comes back, that we will meet them in the sky. They will be with him. And if we're still alive whenever Jesus Christ comes back, then we will meet them in the clouds. We thank God for the lives of the believers that was before us. We don't grieve them. We miss them. But we will see them again. And then he closes this and he closes, uh, you know, almost closes the book. Talking about the date and the time. To make sure that we don't wait to the last minute. Because there's a job, there's a task that God has for each and every one of us. The only way, the only way that we can fulfill the job and task that God has for each one of us is through the Holy Spirit. Living in us, guiding and directing us. Growing, teaching, strengthening us, encouraging us. 
That's the only way that we're going to be able to do it. I'd ask that everyone would stand this morning. See, to do what God really has for us to do, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts and lives. But see, I titled this morning's message, Fill the Gap, because us as believers <laughs> that already have the Holy Spirit living in us, we need to go and talk to the other people that don't. We need to help fill the gap for those that have never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We need to go to them. If you have a lost loved one, if you have a husband, a wife, never cease praying for them. Never stop. Always be there with the Word of God and the love of Jesus Christ. One day, one day we pray that they would receive Him as their Lord and Savior.
Father, we thank you for the words that you have given to us. God, I pray, dear Lord, that, God, that we would receive these. And God, that we would go from this place, dear Lord, encouraged, full of joy, full of confidence because of who you are. But God, we would be full of your love, dear Lord, and that we would shine and show that love to all the people that you put before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.